You know, I was thinking, I wish I could do a Rod Sterling voice. Yesterday, I'm sitting on the front porch watching these uh, dark, 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 mean-looking rain clouds moving our way with bolts of lightning and so forth. And I got to thinking, imagine, if you will, a world where, based on political correctness or whatever else it might be, you find yourself once again breaking the law, <laughs> you know, because we Christians are domestic terrorists and so forth, and patriots, same thing. Another one of those January 6th guys got sentenced to like this freaking... <laughs> And insane. How do you sentence them to that, you know, these periods of time? I mean, I'm serious. What did they do wrong? Nothing. Not a thing. All right? But this justice system that is in charge, you know, once again. So imagine, if you will, suddenly you find yourself because you possess a Bible especially a King James Bible. You find yourself being charged with domestic terrorism, which is what it would fall under. You would be arrested and your Bibles would be confiscated. Not to mention, I don't know, whatever. I mean, me, I have a library of stuff. So they would have a holiday in here, right? Ooh, we got the dirty domestic terrorist locked up and we took all we took away all his nasty books like it was some kind of pornography or something, right? Although actually if it was pornography, they'd let it, you know. I could keep that even the children's stuff, you know, so not that there is any don't get, But anyways, you you understand what I'm saying? The day is coming, folks. The day is coming if it's not already here, quote unquote. When those of us who claim Christian, we live it, we talk it, we breathe it, and we have the documents to prove it, as in our Bibles or whatever, and all of a sudden we find ourselves locked up, I don't think it's that far away. I really don't. I really don't. A lot of what they've done to Trump and the process that they've gone about doing it to him is nothing short of Nuremberg laws and I've also talked a lot about that, and that's what this is. That's exactly what this is. You see, they, re they repeat what they've done before because they learned their lessons, they know how to go about doing things, and then they, and then they spring it on us again. It's the same thing with this pandemic that I've been talking about is going to come again. A lot of people have been talking about it. I'm not the only one. I mean, it's all over the Internet, so you know it's got to be true. <laughs> Couldn't help it. You know, so the thing is, everything they've done to him, they can do to us. I mean, it took the grand jury down there in Georgia, like, no time flat to indict Trump. There were how many years of, of courtroom proceedings and witnesses and all this other kind of stuff? How many? And they came to a conclusion as quick as that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he's guilty. Yeah, we'll indict him. Wait a minute. You got millions of pages of documents that you didn't even ask to look at. Let alone know what they had to say because, of course, you didn't look at them. This is exactly how they're going to come after us. This is how they are coming after us. They've already categorized us. They've already got us in the, you know, the DOJ books and whatever else and so forth and whatnot, you know, that we're, we're criminals and all. So what else is there to do? Just enact it. Just start doing it. I want you to remember something, folks. In these times that we live, your family, friends, and neighbors are trusted only as far as you can throw them. In certain respects. Because when push comes to shove, <laughs> they're going to save their hide before they, before they go down with you. So anyways, welcome to the show. It's Friday. That's I just thought I'd throw that in there. For, yeah. Today's Friday. Let's talk. How about it? You ready for some talk? 
The ground we're on. The ground we're on. Very important that you know that. When you go to war to fight an enemy, you want to have the best ground. Obviously, right? You don't want to let your opponent have any foothold. So, the ground we're on. What ground are we on? Well, we'll see. Let's start with our prayer. Father God, we come before you and we humble ourselves. And I ask you, Father, forgive us our sins. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for all our evil and wicked ways with our tongue, our heart, and our minds, Lord, because that's what they are, evil, wicked ways, our sins. We just are so thankful that we can pray for forgiveness and we receive forgiveness because you are faithful and true. Glory to you, praise to you, honor to you, all worship. King of kings, Lord of lords, Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. Prince of peace, have mercy on us. Have mercy on those who have sinned against us. And may all the saints be comforted in knowing that you will never abandon us or leave us alone. And I thank you this in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. First scripture, and then I got some headlines here. So first scripture is out of Proverbs. We don't really go there too often. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Yeah. So, I mean, they go hand in hand, your mouth and your tongue. You know, keeping them under control. That's what keepeth means. Keeping them under control. Don't let your mouth run off before your brain goes in gear, I think they say. And then you won't have, well, you know, any troubles, quote-unquote. <laughs> so, over in Israel, apparently Netanyahu, well, his silence is concerning certain people because there's been a, a I guess, a serious or a considerable uptick, according to the Jerusalem Post, in um, various kinds of uh, open conflicts between the Christian community and the Orthodox uh, Jews. Orthodox Jews are, you know, like the Noam and the Atzma and the Yehudit and certain members of the religious Zionist party. They're the ones in control in Israel, in the government even. You know, they got the most seats. That's how it goes. Whoever gets the most seats wins. That's how it works. And sometimes they'll go to any lengths or whatever to promise a certain group that normally you wouldn't be, you know, concerned about supporting you. All of a sudden, you know, you're trying to get them in your corner. So anyways, beyond that, it's been nothing but a, probably a very contentious relationship between the Orthodox right of Israel, and the Christians. We have to remember that although they're referred to, you know, the Jews, they don't believe in Jesus as Messiah, they don't believe this, they don't believe that, you know, things that we Christians do, right? And we, we vilify them. During certain times of history, and it could be to this day, but I remember hearing it Often, when I was growing up, the Jews killed Christ. And there was, a, there was a, a period at the end of that statement. In other words, there was nothing about, you know, any counter-argument saying, oh, well, you know, we're all sinners and he died for us and so forth. No, there was none of that. It was just plain, plain and simple. It's, it's all the Jews' fault. So that's where we stand. I'm, you know, and <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, really, to be honest with you, I kind of think it's a, a badge of honor. <laughs> you know, think about it for a minute. We're that dangerous that they'll use any means possible to shut us up. And they're doing it. So now we have President Biden, 
who's been seen, not known, only known to, but who's been seen falling asleep during meetings or conferences. You ever see those pictures? I kid you not. So whether it's here, you know, at home or abroad, ish, he dozes right off. Yeah. At home is one thing. You know, like some kind of weird or strange behavior or whatever it might be. You do it at home when nobody sees you. That's one thing. But abroad in front of the world. And now, for the second time, and I've seen the videos, the second video, the one most recent I just saw, I called my wife and I said, you got to see this. It was so sad. So sad. You see, I used to work with people that had Alzheimer's and schizophrenia, you know, and I know, I know for a fact that I went to medical school too. I took care of a patient personally, you know, on a one-on-one that had Alzheimer's. So when I saw Mitch McConnell stare off into the headlights or, you know, staring off into the distance, looking like a deer in the headlights, that really, 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 it's so sad. It's so sad. Now, in, um, yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. Ingram said, five men are supposed to play a dominant role in the talks of budget and appropriations. Let's see, three out of the five. Check it out. Biden, 80, 80 years old. Chuck Schumer, ooh, 72 years old. Mitch McConnell, eh, men's immense. 81 years old. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is 50. This means that at least two of the five involved in deciding how we spend trillions of our tax dollars, they're not even capable of working full time. I guarantee you their staff is like, full gears, and they are all showing serious symptoms, obvious symptoms of serious physical and cognitive decline. Really, it makes me sad to see that look on Mitch McConnell's face. It really did. But, (laughs) truth be told, you know, when the tire goes flat, you change the tire. You know, kind of basic way of saying it. So we got to move on. Anyhow, this Republican that's running for president. Now, I got to tell you, folks, he's young. I guess you could might say handsome for whatever it's worth. This guy's really making a mark. He's really, you know, you got Trump on the headline and then this guy and Tucker Carlson someplace. (laughs) But anyways, he stirred up some controversy recently by talking about cutting American aid to Israel. Now, Israel not only is, you know, the promised land, so forth and whatnot, but they're the only democracy in that part of the world that we rely on, and they are a strong ally. Now, he's updating, clarifying, reversing, depending on your political persuasion, but he said, um, well, he originally said, let me get myself straight here, that come 2028, additional money to to Israel, won't be necessary. He also went on to say that if anything, other countries around Israel should share in the same, you know, benefits of being a, I guess, a friend or ally, whatever, of our, of us, you know, the U.S. The problem with that is they're all Israel's enemy. Every one of them, every single one of them has in one way shape or another, um, negotiated with terrorists, made deals with terrorists, support terrorists who are 
existing for the sole reason of destroying Israel. Doesn't take long to figure it out. But this guy now, he's trying to say, well, we'll wait until they tell us that they no longer need the aid. Uh, you know what? You're, <laughs> you're a Muslim or whatever the heck you are. I think he's a, actually would be more like in line with the, the Buddhists or the Hindus or something. But anyways, these, you know, listen to what it says in Genesis. Let's, let's do it that way. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you are to be a blessing. And then it goes on with, like, I've used this phrase before. I will bless those who bless you, but I will curse anyone who curses you. And by you, all the families of the earth be blessed. That, that's like a very, you know, elementary school, <laughs> you know, way of laying it out. That's as plain as, and that you can get. Bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you, and all families on the earth will be blessed. That's because Abraham was the beginning of the messianic line. Excuse me. So, you know, took a drink of water. You got to keep these things in mind. Only Trump, this was interesting. Only Trump is a headline. And the, and, and the subline was, and probably the human beings in the globe as well. The West, my friends, this is not, what's, what's happening in this country is a result of the, of the decline that's been going on for decades, possibly longer, depending on the, the measuring rod. You know, what would you consider a decline? There's no question crime is just, it's not surging, it's out of control. This is out of control. Oh, yeah. Huge divisions between those who long for a traditional America and, and their memories and then you got the extremists who want to make it a pro-abortion, pro-transgender, alphabet soup, Marxist state, Marxist state. More and more physical violence. And the economy, which is, <laughs> <coughs> I can't believe he takes credit for this, but again, I don't think he knows he's president. Biden takes credit for the economy. It's all Bidenomics. He did it all. Wait a minute, that would, but it's not that great. You know, in fact, it sucks, right? The prime minister, Viktor Orban, a Hungary, he's the leader over there, one of the more conservative Christian nations around the globe today. He said only, only Donald Trump can save it. Only Donald Trump. That's interesting. You know, you always know where the world stands by listening to people like this gentleman here. I remember when I went overseas, went to several countries, uh, in while well, in the Marine Corps, and you get a real, real eye-opening understanding of how people think of the United States as a whole. Very interesting. I got that same lesson <laughs> tossed on me in Canada one time. Couldn't even get a beer. Yeah, so, let's see. Hunter Biden's firm and his father as VP exchanged more than 1,000 emails. Didn't Joe say he never spoke to his son about his business? This is, this, this is the evidence that should already have the grand jury going, yeah, yeah, we're going to indict him. But no, 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 no. They get some BS trumped up charges against an individual that they're so afraid of. They would rather do it that way. Here tell the latest document dump reveals that there was no separation between Hunter's private business dealings and the official business of the Obama-Biden White House. It also 
said report contradicts the president's repeated claim. Never involved with his son's shady business. You know what that reminds me of? Richard Nixon. I didn't do it. I am not a crook. <laughs> oh, tricky dick, poor guy. Oh, man, they slammed him hard. They slammed him real hard. You ever see the movie JFK by Oliver Stone? Great movie. Anyway, uh, Richard Nixon, well, his name, not he, there's not a role, Richard Nixon, uh, plays a, a pretty good part in the scheme of things. It's very interesting. Very interesting. So the Republicans are warning that he will face a subpoena. I'll believe it when I see it, all right? I mean, I don't mean to throw cold water on the fire, but, yeah, when you've got things going in the right direction, let me know. But when you're still trying to figure out the direction, I'll wait. We got some important news. President Biden, due to the new, quote-unquote, outbreak of uh, coronavirus, told you that was coming, as long as everybody else, so he said something which sounds an awful lot like, meh, very possibly a mark of the beast kind of thing. He admitted on Friday, I watched the video, so it's real, because <laughs> I said so. Uh, so he admitted on Friday he's interested, listen, interested in producing a new COVID vaccine. So that's number one. How much money are we going to throw away this time? How much money are we going to throw away on a pretense that this is what you have to accomplish or we want our money back? And oh, by the way, either way, we get whatever's not used back. And now potentially on top of that, he's really considering forcing everybody to receive it. You know what? That's the problem we had in the first time. Freedom of choice. My body. Wasn't that interesting? The my body thing was going on both sides of the aisle. And nobody talked about my body when it came to refusing the COVID shot. It was all about how dare you take away our right to murder unborn children. And in certain states, I think, I know New York for a fact, they can be born. How the frig? <laughs> I mean, seriously. How do you work in a facility that you know a baby's going to be born and left to die. No food, no water, no nothing. A lot like, oh yeah, the Holocaust victims, Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong. I could go on. So anyway, he offered up this submission after being asked whether he could say anything about the uptick, quote-unquote, <laughs> of COVID cases in the new variant. And that's what he, you know, this is where he went. If you're not biblical literate, this guy's government fully intends to force everyone to take the vaccine. Now we talk about the market of beast. Could it be? Not sure about that one. I'll, I can tell you more about that for sure. Hopefully, when the time comes. Because I, 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 I believe that part of the element of the market of the beast, as they call it, the market of beast is one of those terms that has been thrown around so many times under so many pretenses, and who knows what it's supposed to mean? I mean, I do, but you know, right? Kind of like the, it was Armageddon. <laughs> no, no. If you knew anything about Armageddon, you'd know that what we see here now is nothing compared to what that will be. You know, that's the one where the Lord comes down and kicks Syria's booty. So, drink a coffee.
The one thing that wasn't present in the first round of COVID-19 was the willingness to see the sovereign government force people to allow the mark. But now he's... He, so he said... He said... And my, my, my wife told me one day... I'm sorry. <laughs> my one oldest daughter... She my stepdaughter, but I don't make a difference. Anyway, <laughs> when she was a young kid... So... She was older than the two twins. They were boys, the twins. And they would mumble some gibberish, you know, as far as my wife's ears were concerned. And she didn't understand a single word they said. And the daughter would put her hand out, like, you know, flat out and go, they said, <laughs> seemed like she knew every time exactly what they said. Nobody else in the room heard anything but gibberish. Anyway, he said it. He said, and I quote, forcing everyone to receive it. That's his, in, that's his interest. That's his goal. I said to you during the dry run for COVID-19, you know, <laughs> this is nothing more than a test for the ultimate. They're just seeing how it works. What do we do when? Hurricane Katrina, same thing. Big thing there was separating families. Uh-huh. They learned an awful lot about what they can do, how, when, why, and where. Same thing with the first dry run of COVID. Learned a whole lot about, you know, <laughs> how you're doing it. There's a major, major growing flurry that lockdowns and masks are going to be returning soon. Now, there are certain people in DHS and emergency management are already preparing for lockdowns and restrictions. This is a coordinated government and media campaign take two, or what do you say, two, the second. You know, in other words, this is what they did before, this is what they're going to do now. But man, they got it down now. There's not going to be any slip-ups on this one. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. Quite honestly... He's fear-mongering mongering, because there's been one strain in Michigan and maybe another one, I think, in Virginia. It's a pandemic! It's You know what? I'm not even going to go there, but you, you understand what I'm saying? You better be watching. <laughs> you better be watching. It says in Isaiah 61.1, this is the Lord speaking. So Jesus went to the synagogue, not just to any synagogue. He went into the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. And it was time to read from the books, okay, from the book. And for whatever reason, Jesus was the one chosen to read. And he got up there and he read Isaiah 61. And it says this, this is what he said. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening the prison to them that are bound. Close the book. Now this is according to Luke. He closed the book, Luke 4, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all the eyes of all that were in the synagogue were looking upon him. And he began to say, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, right after that came, verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country, because they, <laughs> man, they wanted to stone him to death, but he walked past them. They did throw him out of the city, though. All right? There's an amazing side to the uh, Jewish acceptance of Jesus and why. Well, you know, there's not just one, like, 
singular answer. There's one answer, but it, there's multiple parts of it. <clears throat> the thing that Jesus mentioned here, all right, that they could not, could not fathom, is the idea that Gentiles were going to be allowed to enjoy the uh, benefits of what up till then was strictly for the Jews. You know what I mean? It's kind of similar to during the, um, not Cold War, <laughs> during the Civil War, of course, you know, they brought in the, they brought in the, uh, oh, jeez. They brought, you know, slavery into the issue and everything like that. So after the Civil War, the, the, the former slaves were supposedly free, and there were a lot of really, really staunch conservative you know, Southerners, Confederates, who really had a troubles with that one. But the one thing, the, cam the straw that broke the camel's back for many of them, including um, General Forrester, which you he, he's referred to in the movie Forrest Gump. And it's, it, it's attributed to him that he was probably, if not the founder, one of the earliest founders or of the Ku Klux Klan, that voting thing, according to him and, and others, was not going to happen. So these Jews, when they heard Jesus make reference to Gentiles, and he does that when he tells the story after he says no prophet is accepted in his own country, he says this, but I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, there was no rain. But unto none of them was Elijah sent. No, he wasn't. He went and was sent to Sarah I butchered it. It's a city of Sidon. Went to a woman who there who was a widow. Then he goes on to say, Eliza. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, saving Nahum, the Syrian. And that's when the wrath started to, to really boil over for those sitting in, in the synagogue listening to what he had to say. The point being... Jesus made a direct reference to the fact by stating those two instances that this is going to be an inclusive thing for the Gentiles also. And the Jews weren't having it. Well, the lead, you know, no, no, no way the Gentiles could ever be a part of what we have. We've always been the people. There's no other than us and so forth and so on. Well, you know, truth be told, during their days also, in the old days, Gentiles were allowed to enter the fold. They didn't have all the privileges at the time. Just like now, Christians don't have certain privileges that the Jews have. Because being blood Jew specifically earmarks you for special treatment. So, aren't we the lucky ones? They got to do this whole thing, folks, back to what I was saying before. They got to do it with a crisis. Seriously, I'm, I'm serious. Like something that would start them arresting real patriots and, and charge them with domestic terrorism. Right? And I've said to you so many times, and so many others have said it also, the speed with which they're forging this ruinous path forward. They said, uh, a new, a major radical New Ager said about 40 years ago, 
When the time had come to move into the new order, nations would act with great speed. And now, he says, the time has come for gears to be shifted in the high as the world prepares to actually move into the new world order. This change is going to require nothing short, folks, uh, this, you know, of a new world order view. This, this change is going to be radical and draconian. I mean, they're going to be throwing things down the pike, one reason for another, for this, that, and the other thing, at breakneck speed. And I've said this on the show. So I'm, I'm talking about it again now. This radical change in the worldview, well, it's going to have to be done almost overnight. There cannot be any time for political debate, subtle compromise, or any monetary equivation. equivation. To succeed, they're going to need a zealous determination, a militancy, if you will, of Herculean proportions. Now, King Charles mentioned, oh, maybe last year, whatever it was, he was at this um, World Ecology Forum, and he spoke of an individual he didn't name, all right? I had a suspicion by watching the video several times. It's just a short clip. Anyhow, he, um, no, he, he deliberately chose his words. I mean, I didn't see any teleprompters, but again, each word was well thought, well thought out before he said it. And he spoke of an individual that would bring this radical new world view into shape. This individual would require a monetary funding which surpasses all GDPs throughout the world. And there would be a, well, somewhat of a strong arm policy that everyone contributes to this funding. And it would require nothing less or short of a military type, uh, military, what did I say up here? Yeah. Oh, yeah, a, a military act of Herculean proportions. Now, the key words are this, and if you caught them, good. Overnight, change. This is really, this is really the worst part here. No political debate, no subtle compromise, or monetary equivation. Other key words are, <laughs> there's people actually overseeing this dramatic change. But these individuals, no questions asked, have to be imbued with this, this, this ginormous, zealous determination. They have to agree with and and support a military act. This is how they're describing the need for a political change or this type of political change which is going to cover the world. When we look at the Bible, ask ourselves now that we know this, does it lend any support for this plan, sudden destruction? I'll read you something. Try not to be too scared, okay? (laughs) But as to the subtle times and precise seasons and dates, brethren, you have no necessity for anything being written to you. For you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly and suddenly as a thief in the night. When people are saying all is well and secure and there is peace and safety, then in a moment, unforeseen destruction, ruin, and death will come upon them as suddenly as labor pains come upon a woman with child. And they shall by no means escape, for there will be no escape. 
That's serious business, as I say, like to say. Serious business. This is, he's describing an instantaneous event. In a moment, unforeseen destruction. In a moment. I hate to think that's a nuclear bomb. Big drink of water. I mean, I really think about it. In a moment. But either way, it seems to me the powers that be here on Earth, they think that with the speed of the click of the computer mouse, they can change the world into their utopian society, seemingly with no ill effects, with no, with no record, no anything. The problem is that these are people's lives, not that they care. These are their cities and towns. This is where they live. This is where they have family and friends. And now, due to your evil thoughts and evil ways and denying of the Lord God, you're just going to tear them, tear them apart for your benefit. You see, folks, no matter what they tell you, what they're going to give you, and, you know, it's going to be free probably or whatever. No, 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 no. Because when you talk to most African-Americans in like Chicago and Detroit, you know, where there's a large population, they'll tell you straight up, they're no better off now. In fact, they're mostly worse off, believe it or not. So they're not the ones that are looking to, you know, take care of you. They're the ones that are looking to get you to believe that so they can continue, you know, unabated. I don't think, you know, I ask myself the question, is it still ours to lose? I believe, you know, I'm a pet uh, optimist. I'll say yes right to the end, right? We can still save the Republic. <laughs> but I'm no longer alone in predicting, take two. I'm no longer alone in predicting another great pandemic. And this is going to come, <laughs> mark my words, folks, right up to the 2024 elections. It'll be the, the, the biggest wrench ever thrown in the gearworks of an election. And we know what's coming. Yes, we do. Don't, don't sugarcoat it. I've already said they're going to bring back the mask. Before long, the rest of it will follow. Lockdown, social distancing, shortages of pretty much everything and anything. And of course, don't forget dun, 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 the mail-in ballots. Hey, why not? It worked in 2020. We perfected it. It'll work again. You see, they think they can do this to us and to our families pretty much anything they please. They might try again to close the schools and demand that parents pledge themselves not to interfere in their children's so-called education. That didn't fly in 2020. But why not try it again since we learned something new? Here's some food for thought. If it was today that you were to die, do you really know where you're going? What do we got? James 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war and yet you have not, because you ask not. James 4. You know, when I look around, this country is filled with anger, division, strife, of every, every type, all being led by the spirit of the, well, an antichrist-type spirit. There is violence of speech, violence of action, 
whatever, you name it, it's there, right? It doesn't seem, based on other things we know, it doesn't seem that making a prediction that Donald Trump will be assassinated is, is somewhat an obvious observation based on what we see in here. But the surprising thing, really, not that he would be assassinated, but if it doesn't happen, that would be the big surprise. I wouldn't be so shocked as much, well, I'd be shocked, but I'd be more shocked if they didn't at least try it. There was a guy, what, last year or whatever it was, drove all the way up to try to take him out. Didn't make it, but it just goes to show you they're, they're out there. They're out there. We're preparing as a nation, just like the rest of the world, to receive this world ruler that's coming called the Antichrist, the son of perdition, the man of sin, heralding in the time of Jacob's trouble or what Christians call the tribulation. I read this article and I watched a bit of the video and I'll tell you something, not shocked, but again, to hear somebody else say what I've thought so many times, and I try not to say it, but on a, this uh, anti-woke show run by Adam Carolla, he's got a YouTube show, Tucker Carlson talked about his interview with Trump, and uh, it was planned by both Carlson and Trump, so, and, uh, you know, quite honestly, I'm sure they both have their grievances with Fox News, but during the interview, Corolla asked Carlson what the future holds and whether they're going to let Trump be president. Carlson <laughs> kind of went off, well, kind of off script, but I don't think there was a script to begin with, but just to coin a phrase. And he, he went, not, you know, raging about the impeachments and criminal indictments and all such things that have been going on and the January 6th stuff. And he says this, if you begin with criticism, then you go to protest. Then you go to impeachment. Now you go to indictment. And none of them work. What's next? Scrap it out. We're speeding towards assassination. They have decided that there's something about Trump that's so threatening to them, they just can't have it. That's something. Tell me you haven't thought about that. I'm serious. I'm serious. Right from the word go, it was in my mind. Well, when I finally realized this guy was was making it. I mean, because if you don't get picked to run, then it doesn't matter, does it? So anyways, well, they actually they killed Bobby Kennedy, and he was just a candidate at the time also. So we know that so much about the January 6th thing was the you know the evidence or whatever just fabrications made up junk it's the same thing with trump same exact thing and interesting every time they indict him every time they bring him up on a charge or whatever else this guy's popularity soars the money comes flying in <laughs> i don't know how you can't reach that conclusion Really. And this comes from both parties, believe it or not. That's why they had a primary. That's why they're doing debates. Because even the people in his own party are afraid of him. And they want him gone. So, again, don't be surprised if it happens. Don't hope it happens, please. Don't hope it happens. Don't be that you know, cold-hearted and whatnot. But, again, you know, it's really something that I think we have to consider. We have to be kind of like, you know, ready and prepared. We got to speak up against evil. That's my next headline. We got to speak up against evil. That's exactly what we have to do. Pray and speak. 
quote. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, I think in a lot of ways, the Corinthians, uh, they were a very tolerant people. <laughs> they were very tolerant. And certain kinds of evil was plain to see. And not they weren't ashamed of it. Not at all. No, they weren't. Like these uh, people today. They parade their shame in front of the Lord thinking he's all right with that. Yeah, I got something to tell you on that one. These people are, like Paul said, puffed up. You know, proud. This is ours. Well, problem is, according to the one of Paul's letters, he says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up. That is prideful. And have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. That was what was supposed to happen even in the, well, starting in the Old Testament. If you found this kind of behavior going on in the camp, quote unquote, you expel them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the Corinthians weren't doing that. All right? Well, you know what? Very permissive city. What do we have today? Yeah. And their culture back then was influencing the church just like it does now. And rather than, you know, this was, of course, rather than the church influencing the community, which is how it should be. Sounds just like today. Absolutely just like it, no doubt. And the problem, or the saddest part is, if the church doesn't stand up, the church doesn't push back full force. They're overcome. And they just get used to this immorality and this immoral and so forth and so on. The church, instead of being salt and light and a strong witness, they just go ahead with the flow and accommodate to the thinking and values of the world around them. That's exactly what's happened. So the church ends up saying, well, you can't judge people. We're not supposed to do that. We can't police everybody. Let them do what they want. Just love them as long as it doesn't hurt me or affect me and mine. That went on for how long? But now you know what? It is affecting yours. It is affecting you. And if it had been nipped in the bud when it started to sprout, we wouldn't be here today. But again, of course, when you deny God... Well, then, you know, well, more specifically, Jesus Christ and his, his reason for coming here, right? These people in Corinth at the time, <laughs> this church of Corinth, just like today, patting themselves on the back. Man, look what a great job. Look at all the people in the seats, blah, blah, blah. Look at all the money we're making. Righteous judgment is rooted in humility. And that should always be your position when making a judgment. And the idea and the hope of it is it would provoke real repentance that leads to restoration. What scripture have I got here? I didn't write it down. Ain't that a hoot anyway? How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Oh, this is this is some. Don't let me stray from your mitzvah, which is God's like, it's a Hebrew word for commandments or duty. I treasure your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. Blessed are you, Adonai. Teach me your laws. I proclaim with my mouth all the rulings you have spoken. I rejoice in the way of your instruction more than any kind of wealth, I will meditate on your precepts and keep my eyes on your ways. I will find my delight in your regulations. I will not forget your word. See, somebody like that, today, we're domestic terrorists. 
<laughs> we need to hide the word of God in our hearts. In other words, not just practicing religion or doing so-called good works or following any kind of ritual or even attending church. I learned a lot of what I know now when I wasn't in any church at the time. What God wants is for his word to penetrate our hearts and govern our lives so that everything we do is committed to him first and done simply because we love him. When we give our tithes at church, we're only giving back to God what he gave to us, right? Think about it. It's like a cycle. We got to be certain that the Lord's will and purposes are what directs us as much as possible. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, you once were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. See, darkness and light are synonyms for evil and good. So walking as children of light requires finding out what is truly acceptable to the Lord. Plain and simple. And anything that's not acceptable to the Lord is, right, darkness. You got it. Because, folks, all sin is against God. Darkness. Sins aren't measured differently from one culture to another. You understand? A sin for one culture... Oh, it's not a sin for this one. That's not how it works. Sin is sin across the board. And so are the penalties and the judgments. Everything. The good news is salvation is across the board to everyone and anyone worldwide throughout history. So they're not measured different. Not compared to one generation or the next. Lucky for us, it says in Malachi 3, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. So, lucky for us, because if he did change his heart and his mind on certain matters, we'd be done. We'd be cooked. People hate the idea of a single set of moral absolutes, and there's the problem. They don't want it, especially for them to pertain to their life at any time, when it's convenient, if even then. Sad to say. Imagine for a minute. I mean, think about it. What if everybody lived by their own moral code? One person believes in monogamy and the other spouse don't. Who's right? Does one person's moral code give them the right to break the heart of their mate through infidelity because they believe it's okay? Think about that. But under a single moral code, right is right and wrong is wrong. I like that. There's only one place where we find a standard set and meant to be lived by, and that, my folks, is in that book that very soon will be illegal to carry the Bible, especially the King James Bible. In the end, when all is said and done, this is God's planet. When Jesus was tempted in the desert by Satan and he said, or showed him, when all the kingdoms of the world, and all this can be yours, he says to the Lord, you will bow down and worship me. <laughs> Jesus says, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and have no other gods before him. But really what Jesus was also saying, what? They're already mine. It's all mine. And in the end, <laughs> it'll be all be gone because I'm going to reestablish everything. But this has to play out. That's kind of paraphrasing, I guess, or simplifying, <laughs> right? But that's the thing. It all belongs to the Lord anyway. So guess what? It's all God's planet. We're his creation. We're his. He created us. And you know what? Whether you want to believe it or not, he knows what's best. Yeah. He designed a single moral code to cover every situation. 
And I found that as, as I, you know, read more and, and learned more and so forth, that's one of the reasons I didn't carry on as a psychologist. I said, God knows everything. Why do I have to open a book that man wrote? Not saying anything against getting help if you need it, but always remember, the Lord's in control. And so therefore, since it covers every situation, it's our responsibility to live by it and not wander around in our self-made cocoons doing whatever we feel is right. Prone to wander? Are you? Prone to leave the Lord you love? Are you? Well, you know what? Listen to this. Even you, that's right, can ask him to take your heart and seal it. And then let him do it. A lot of times people ask the Lord for something, but they won't wait or whatever it is they would need to do to receive it. They want, you know, boom, like magic right now. Flip it a switch. Here you go. That's not how God does it. When you understand that, you're, you're, more, you're more prone not to wander, but to pray and wait automatically. In John 16, 1 through 3, it says, These things, this is the Lord speaking, These things have I spoken to you, that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogue. Yeah, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things, these things they will do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. So, in a way, it's not personal, folks. It's the evil inside these people lashing out against the Lord. And that's the bottom line. God bless everybody. We'll talk to you. I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Have fun. Be safe. God bless. Goodbye.